you know, I quit my career of 17 years. Christy quit her career a month later. Three months after that, we pulled the kids out of school, gave away everything, and packed up our SUV with, with some clothes, and we started traveling. And then all the other girls at the restaurant were like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and just like freaking out about this good-looking guy at this table. And I looked at him as this military brat-looking guy. He had a shaved head, fitted clothes, like not my style. Like, Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate. A dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at couplesynergy. And please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Di Manuel and his wife, Christy. Di Manuel is a super dad dating his wife with a lead by example way of living who is on a mission to positively impact 1 million role models around the globe to lead a functionally fit life through education, encouragement, and community. He is the author of Di Manuel's Whole Life Fitness Manifesto, as well as a TEDx speaker whose talk is called Why Vulnerability is a Human Thing. Hello and welcome to our show, Di and Christy. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Well, thank you. And I got a full disclosure and, uh, you know, all that stuff that you just shared, uh, none of that would have happened because it's our story. <laughs> and I want to have full disclosure. Everything there is uh, is only because of Christy and uh, uh, definitely teamwork makes the dream work as the cliche goes. And uh, but yeah, it's super cool to be here. And also the fact that, uh, I mean, gosh, you, you, <laughs> Christy and I were checking out your this platform and we we're like, oh, my goodness. Over 200 these, episodes. These are, yeah, but <laughs> It was, just, it was cool because well, we can see that you work together, you thrive together, right? You built not only a life, but a beautiful business. And, and it's just, you know, it's, we were saying right before you hit record, right? Like, I mean, we're, we're abnormal, abnormally normal. Abnormally <laughs> normal, right. <laughs> you know, say that 10 times fast, but I, I think it's just really cool. We're, we're excited to be here and, and connecting with you and, and uh, whoever happens to listen or watch this, you know? Yes. Definitely. And we know that you both have a very transform uh, transformational story about your relationship. Before we get into that, can you guys tell us how old are you? Where are you from? And how long have you been together? Okay, I'm, I'm the youngin, but uh, I'm 43 almost by the time this probably goes to air. And uh, Vancouver, Canada, I grew up in the Okanagan. We're just about to sell, we go into our 22nd year. We've been uh, a, half my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I was like, when's the birthday? I was like, I knew that we're about to reach half my life. Yes, dedicated to this man. So, And I'm on my 45th lap around the sun. So uh, 45 years young. And yeah, we've, we've been dating or I've been dating Christy now. Yeah, 22, almost going on our 23rd year. It's like amazing how time just like flies, right? In a yeah. point of an eye. I mean, you guys must experience that regularly as well. It was just, you know, it's those pinch yourselves moments where it's like, oh my goodness. I, I, you know, like Christy knows me better than anybody else I've ever known in my lifetime. And, and to be fair, I don't think anybody else will ever know me as well as Christy does, you know, in my lifetime. And so when you really let that sink in, it's like, it's like, wow. Right. It's one of those just, wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, can you, can you uh, tell us a yeah. story of how you guys met? Yeah, why don't you? I think we kind of have a little bit. Of a <laughs> There's obviously story. two perspectives, right? Two sides <laughs> of every story. Um, but, but we do agree. We ultimately came together, but uh, yeah. she'll, I'll let Chrissy share from her perspective first. Okay. Well, the catalyst was his brother. I worked at the same restaurant as Josh. And so that was the connection. Um, but in the sense of just serving and him in for Corona nights was the very first time we crossed paths. 
And then all the other girls at the restaurant were like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And just like freaking out about this good looking guy at this table. And that, uh, could I take him over his beer? Could I pick up his dirty plates? Could I bring over his wings? Like whatever was going on. And I looked at him as this military brat looking guy he had a shaved head fitted clothes like not my style I like I said I grew up in the Okanagan where it's a little bit more um, ski bum and snowboarder and skateboarder and looser clothes and people were fit through living and you were definitely a gym guy he <laughs> was like I the was guy that would guy. spend hours <laughs> at the gym so it wasn't really my type I think uh, but then it kind of went from there he asked me for a drink one day um and his brother, I was doing him a favor. He said, my, my brother has the thing for redheads. I do. I'm a sucker for redheads. Tinge of gin. He Bring just, it over. He just got a relationship. Do you think you could, uh, he's looking for a new group of friends. Do you think you'd be open to um, hanging out with them or going for a drink? And I thought, perfect. I'm about to leave the country. And definitely I was traveling. I had maybe like a month or two left in the mainland. And I was like, I'm not looking for anything. This is great. I can definitely do that favor. He's not my type. And then you can take it from there. <laughs> yeah, I, what was I, your perspective? Well, <laughs> you no, know, there's there's a lot of truth to what Chrissy said, because obviously it's 100% true for her. <laughs> and um, I, I have to echo a lot of the same sentiments. But, you know, I had just come out. I was actually engaged. You know, and oh. I, you know, when you realize I was in my early 20s and and it, it was sort of something that was done on a lark anyway. It's like, it wasn't, when I think about it, I rushed into something. It was very much not, uh, no thinking, just feeling and, and doing something very spontaneous. And, and so as such, you know, that, that was a very short uh, romantic period uh, with that particular person. And, and uh, but uh, no matter what, like, you know, there, when you make that kind of commitment to someone, it's not, not something you make lightly. Now, obviously in my early twenties, I can chop it up as being young and naive and, and ignorant uh but uh you know ultimately <laughs> coming out of that i still felt a bit sheepish you know like i was just like oh my goodness you know like i don't want to do that again <laughs> you know and so you weren't looking for anything I, either i wasn't looking for something serious uh, i'll be very honest um but also you know my, my i was in that phase i just moved back into with my brother you know because i had this place with my, my ex-fiance at the time and moved out and, and it was funny because my brother and i lived together i moved out to move in with this girl and, uh, you know, just over a year later, I'm moving back in with my brother again. <laughs> so, and, and he's my younger brother and my younger, bigger brother. We'll just say that he's a, he's a big dude. And, uh, I've always been small compared to him, even though I've got the wisdom, he's got the size and, uh, but you know, it's, it was cool because, you know, going into this restaurant, my brother was working as a, as a lead there. And, and I just said, Hey, who's that redhead there? You know? And, and then he made the introduction and, you know, next thing you know, it's, I asked her out and uh, she was rushing out because she had uh, some, some personal things that evening to, to work through. And, and I shouldn't say work through, but it was um, actually her mom's and Christy lost her mom when she was uh, 13. Yeah, 13 years old. And, and it was actually the anniversary. The day that I asked her out was the anniversary of her mom's passing. And so obviously it was not the right timing, you know, but I didn't know that. And, and, you know, so here she is like rushing out of the restaurant. I asked and I just stop her. She's leaving. I'm like, Hey, do you want to grab a drink? And, you know, she, she's like, just starting to cry. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> you know, like, what did I do? And, and, you know, she apologized just saying, listen, I, I can't tonight. And being the salesperson that I was, I was like, okay, oh, yeah, right. uh, tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tonight's not right. All I heard you say was to not tonight. And I was like, okay, tomorrow night or, or Friday night. Like when, anyway, so I, I made sure to tie her down to a commitment. Oh, and, uh, and we, then, then we just sort of went from there, you know, we just, uh, started to, Our we didn't go too serious out, too quickly. I think what yeah. like stuck out is the very first hangout that we finally did connect on. He shows up on time and he's meeting me at work and he, he brought me a gift or like instead of flowers or something, I guess. And it was The Alchemist. And he says, I just wanted oh, to give man. you a copy of my favorite book. And I was like, that has never happened before. Oh my gosh, this guy's extra cool. Or, I mean, and so uh, we hung out for a few weeks just because I was away, going away and not wanting anything and knowing what he'd gotten out of. And then I feel it was like a few weeks in at some point, he goes, am I stepping on any, so anyone listening, these were like the little tricks here. Um, <laughs> am I stepping on anyone's toes hanging out with you? And that was his way of finding out, I guess, if 
he could pursue something. I'm sure she was unencumbered. And, uh, you know. Very well worded. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I came from sales background. So uh, <laughs> I'm very good with language and, and being very subtle. Yeah. So it was good. It was like definitely a unique way. And we got, we started hanging out. I still went traveling. Um, we didn't choose to stay together at the time. And when I was leaving, his mom gave me a hug and said, you come back for my boy, I want redheaded grandbabies. And we'd wow. only been together for like Go, a few months at this, <laughs> like hung out only for a few months, but that really sparked with like, oh, I didn't realize we were at that level or like at that kind of um, point or she cared that much. What has he told her and that kind of stuff. And then um, eventually it was like six, eight months later, I came back on a whim and said, I'm coming back. And we've had our ups and downs and rocky roads, but I think we were about a year and a half in to dating and we thought we should be parents that's the next step we should start having babies that's the next step and okay yeah like my mom was told like that uh she had a health condition she couldn't have kids she ended up getting seven years later got pregnant so i thought it might take a while for me and i was like well if it, if it happens tomorrow we're game and if not it'll probably be three or four years and sure enough it was like soon as I pulled the pill, the goalie was gone and he scored like the following month. Just so. remember <laughs> being healthy has its benefits. <laughs> and, and obviously uh, the swimmers, they swim. It's worked out well, but like, <laughs> like, so we can segue to a different question, obviously, but it, it has, uh, I don't think, I don't think we would be here today yeah. if we hadn't had children to fight for. And we'd made that decision, obviously, mm. Um, intentionally, it wasn't an oops overnight, one night stand. We intentionally said, let's have kids. And um, so we fought through a lot of stuff. So I'm grateful for that quick decision. What, what was it about each other that you fell in love with? Well, you know, Christy's honestly the kindest, most uh, considerate person I've ever met. <laughs> I, I, mean, I have red hair. I can be like a total. No, 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 no. Times. Trust me. She, she, she can be tough and fair, but it's always within, you know, I've never seen someone that could be so stern and forthright, but do it in a kind way where you walk away feeling like loved, right? Like, and I mean, that, that's a special skill, you know, to be able to not only tell somebody how you really feel or think, but also have them walk away feeling loved and appreciated and not offended. And, and I was always impressed by that because I, that was a skill that I, obviously I, I admired, I, I wanted more of for myself. <laughs> and, uh, but then also she's beautiful and she's you know, gorgeous red hair. And, and on top of that, uh, a smiling personality to match. So uh, what wasn't there to fall in love with, you know? So, uh, uh, but, but, you know, it, it's as Christy alluded that we, we've had our challenges too, you know, and, and a lot of those are brought on by me if I'm perfectly honest and transparent. And I won't go into all the details unless you guys want to go there, but uh, the TEDx talk, I sort of talked about that pinnacle moment yeah. where, things turned around and that was just over 12 years ago. And so the last 12 years, you know, have been one hell of an adventure and, and it just feels like it keeps unfolding by the day. Are but you still love me. Oh, of course we still love never stop love loving. Um, but, but we've, we've definitely, we've grown up together. Yeah, like I yeah. feel like just um, initially, I guess when you, when I first hung out, it was like, Oh, this guy is actually quite intriguing. And he had so many things to share about things he'd accomplished or things he had been um, projects in the works and that. And so it was really stimulating conversation uh, when we would connect and um, really deep conversation at times. And I swear after our first two, three hour, our date went for two or three hours. It was so long. We kept talking. I thought this guy has got to be in his thirties. Like he's well over a decade older than me, maybe 15 years older than me. He's accomplished so much. And then when I learned that he was actually like only three years older than me, I was like, oh my gosh. And um, so, yeah, we just kind of kept hanging out and it was definitely personality and the stimulating conversation. And then there's the physical attraction that grew there. And then what's kept me in um, for the love is just the commitment and the ongoing pursuit to like, he says something and he does it like follows up with action. And so I've, there's still been those mistakes or those errors and things. And it's just like, instead of the sorry, I'm not a lip service person. And I've always appreciated that about Di that he follows through. Why did you guys choose to have a baby before getting married? Well, yeah, I guess it's yeah, so interesting. religious, really. Like, no, though I mean, my grandparents. We were raised Christians. And, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, and, and even 
Yeah, your grandparents for sure. I, just, I think it was more along the lines of when we started to realize mm-hmm. we were getting serious or that we were like looking at more of a long-term relationship, there was this conversation of, I don't know if I could have children. Um, and mm-hmm. is that something that we are prepared to continue moving forward with? Or is this where we just cut our ties here and call it quits now? And um, that's when it came to the decision of like, it might most likely we thought it would take three or four years at least. We knew that with science and everything that's happening now, it wouldn't be that we wouldn't be parents. Uh, but yeah, I think that was initially we were thinking we'd still have a little bit of time as a solo one-on-one couple um, and it just didn't happen. <laughs> and to be fair, like, you know, then we got pregnant and then it was like, okay, well, you know, we, we, we were fully committed to each other. Like, I mean, but this is a life commitment. It's also why we even contemplated having kids early and, and just even start trying. Uh, so we always knew that we were going to have this life together. And, and as far as. But we men, felt we had lived a lot of life. Well, too. we had, like, we've I, been through a lot of <laughs> we're stuff. Like, but we've done everything. More importantly though, it was also just the, the stance on marriage and, and the, the whole ritual of it. Uh, to be honest, it just, where we were in our life and in some of our belief systems, it was just, it's just, no, we don't we, need to go through the whole thing. Well, I know. We found out we, we are did. pregnant. That's right. <laughs> so he actually proposed to me before we found out we were having a baby. And I said, great. So we announced it to your family because we were visiting them out east in Ontario. And that's right. Then you ended up, I said, let's just not announce it or tell anyone because I want you to bond with my family when we go visit them in a week, like, and spend quality time with them. And that was where I was like, I just want you, my dad and you to bond before we tell them we're getting married. And then we were sitting there at one point, my sister looked at me and was like, dude, are you pregnant? Look at your chest. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh. And then that news or that stage of life took over, I think of us getting a true like traditional uh, way of marriage. You know, for us, it wasn't, we were already fully committed. So it wasn't a matter of, of, you know, we didn't feel the pressure from our families to have to get married. Uh, even though we were already fully committed, having kids, you know, our first daughter and then our second one happened with, you know, next two years after that. Uh, so we always talked about it. We were going to do it. And uh, and then just life happened, right? Like just life happens. I was building my, my last business. And on top of that, we're building our family and this life together. And it just, it just, it's funny how things just, time just snaps by, right? Like I, mean, I look at the last two years. I mean, it's been a kind of a blank, you know, I know they just celebrated two years since they announced the pandemic through the World yeah. Health Organization. It's like, has it been two years already? It's like, yeah. feels a bit like Groundhog's Day, right? And, uh, but it was funny. We ended up eventually doing it, getting married, uh, but not until December 12th, 2012 at 1212. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Weird. Was that right? planned? Well, when the, I saw the dates, sort of intentional, yeah, because I was like, I'll never forget this, ever. <laughs> I'll never forget our anniversary. And uh, it was also because our kids. Uh, it mattered the, to them, yeah. It mattered to them, but also because the friends at school would start to ask, or the teachers, so it's like, oh, so how long have your parents been married? And they're like, well... They're, they're half married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as the kids started saying that to their friends and teachers that we were half married, we're like, you know what? They should... considered half married just because we hadn't had a wedding. Yeah. So they knew we were committed for life and that, but they wanted to see pictures of the wedding dress and what was the wedding like? And, right. and that's what marriage was to them. And so then we surprised them and just said, Hey, we're going to go get full married today. So we still <laughs> haven't had like some big massive celebration, but it was so perfect. It was so, so half married because you guys were engaged. Forever. Yeah. So no pressure from your parents, but pressure from your kids. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Is it is that meaningful yeah. to you now? Did it make a difference in your relationship? How would you describe being married it, versus being committed? You know what? It did. It did. Well, and, we and, called each other yeah. husband and wife before yeah. the actual ceremony. Like we referenced each other that. And then I remember the first, the night after we mm-hmm. literally had just done our vows and like, it was a very simple ceremony, but we were sitting on the couch and it was just like, hi, husband, <laughs> hi, wife. And that it felt true or real yeah. and as silly as that is to seem. And we, I don't know, it's not like anything changed in our commitment or our responsibilities to each other. We'd already hundred percent shared bank accounts, like a lot of things that couples still once they're married don't even do um Mm -hmm. we are already doing it and so there wasn't anything that way that changed it was just more i think the integrity piece there was also an internal feeling though it was that feeling just like yeah my wife you know like now saying it it was like yeah but we've gone through Mm -hmm. the ceremony we've we've 
you know, mm-hmm. we've legitimized it. And not to say that wasn't legitimate before, but, you know, that's why I'm really sensitive to the language around this. Cause I know there are some very, uh, well, there, there's differing opinions, mm-hmm. you know, around this and, and I'm all for, you know, just being committed, you know, being committed. But if, if that show of commitment through that ritual, I mean, I had a different perspective on it until we went through it ourselves. And then after going through it, I was like, I get this. I get it I, a lot more now. And uh, But I think we're in BC, yeah. at least it doesn't matter if you're legally yeah. married or not. Like everything you, is. You're living with someone for six months. You have like common, common law. law. You, you're yeah. now married in the eyes of the, the, the courts here. We, so we get asked that question a lot, though, by people like. Yeah that are trying to decide if they should get married or not and what's the difference and you know i think for human beings the, the ritual of something and the formalized commitment whether it's to work out whether it's to take a job whatever it is it it adds a layer of something that's mm. intangible intangible right intangible. yeah that is um it, it is it means something different and we always kind of call it like checks mix you know, you can pull out the peanuts <laughs> yeah. and stuff if you want. If you're I was not like married, myself, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> and and if if you're married, it's like a cake, and you can't pull out the sugar and the eggs. You know, it's different. It's just a different yeah. kind of uh, merging. I, like I felt children was that too. probably mm-hmm. for me. Like that was mm-hmm. the non-negotiable. Like it was like we have decided to have children together and raise a family together, and so. But I'm also I was really stuck on the way of even before the actual marriage it was like we've committed to life like I was kind of raised like you don't get divorced and like you're together it's a commitment for life and um, I felt that and I was really and Di comes from a divorced home and you're old enough to understand what was going on in his early um, teens and so I think he was a little bit easier to be like oh this isn't working we're done um, at one point in our relationship. And I was like, no, we have children. Like, so to your point, Jean, where you said like, what's the legal kind of line? It was like, mm-hmm. that's what I looked as children versus just the ring on the finger and the signing of the certificate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you guys alluded to a pretty difficult time, like 12 years ago. And, you know, Di, I know we, we heard the TEDx talk and you talk about that time, but maybe you guys can Kind of briefly um, talk about that for our audience about what struggles you guys were facing at that time and how you handled it. So for those that are new to this story, which I imagine anybody that's listening to this right now or watching this is probably brand new to it, and that's cool. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I I was morbidly obese as a teenager, and I won't go into all the story there, but I, I went through some great changes at age fifteen through seventeen. I, I reclaimed my health, and and it wasn't easy but it was well worth it because <laughs> it sort of put in motion the, the path I've been on uh, since I was 17. You know, my entire adult life, I've worked in the wellness industries, s- serving people and helping them with their own transformation. So I, I got a very up close uh, relationship and, and experience with my own personal transformation. And so it built some self-confidence and belief systems, but it was interesting as much as I transitioned away from being that morbidly obese, very unhealthy, very depressed and withdrawn teenager, there were still elements of that kid in me. And as such, even though I started to shed that image and start to, you know, really redefine the life that I wanted to be living, I, I realized there was still a lot of baggage I was bringing with me, especially on the psychological side. And, and for me, I, I, had, I dealt with social anxiety, you know, getting around groups of people like because I used to always get really anxious with that because I'd always feel like everyone was judging me, you know, and, and they probably were, you know, I don't think I was making it up. I know I, I'd see the snickering through the hallways at school, especially right and the pointing of the fingers and, and it was tough, you know, and, and then getting to my later teen years and people always ask, what was the biggest motivation for your change? I'm like, well, to be honest, I, I wanted a girlfriend, you know, like I, I wanted someone to want me and, uh, you know, I wanted to want myself too, to be honest. And, and so what happened was I got into my later teen years and, and the social anxiety was still there as much as I'd shed that old persona of who I was, I, I, I hadn't let go yet. And then all of a sudden now the thing that I was controlling and, and really soothing my emotional state with as a teen was food and video games and movies, sedentary lifestyle, eating a lot of things that made me feel really good in the moment. Transition into my late teens, my early 20s, well, I wanted to deal with the social anxiety because I wanted to be more social. I wanted to not be like that person anymore. And well, I discovered alcohol. And alcohol had a very similar effect on me that food did. 
except this was way more outward facing from the standpoint I'd have a couple drinks and all of a sudden a lot of these fears and, and anxiety I would feel would dissipate dissipated enough that I could start to be social and be a different person. Mm-hmm. But that's a slippery slope as anybody who's ever struggled with alcohol or any other kind of substance abuse. It's, it's a very slippery slope because the more you do it, that habit becomes very ingrained. And for me, dealing with stress, dealing with anxiety, but also you know, burning off steam. Uh, as much as I did it with my health, my physical fitness, <laughs> good thing I had that because it at least balanced some of these things out, but not really on the psychological nor the home front. And, and it started to erode at our relationship in a very big way. And Let's just say our daughter's name is Chardonnay for a reason. <laughs> and uh, that was really how we only yeah. needed, knew how to function for the first decade of our life. And um, I'm naturally social. So I, it, drinking wasn't um, a crutch or something I needed. It was, I was in the service industry, like hospitality. So that's a natural piece of it. And that was how we would interact. We'd have great conversation. It was all. And then when responsibilities of regular life kicked in with parenting and careers and having to do stuff when you're responsible for more than just yourself, um, that's where it started to become a problem. And it was more evident and it was empty promises or I promise I'll be here or that. And then it just got to a point where I think I was like, how much can I respect my, like, I need to respect me and how, how much disrespect can I handle? And then thinking about the role model to like, what example am I being to allow someone to treat me like this, or for someone to observe um, these habits or patterns to our children. And that's what kind of led to the Ted talk where it just got to a point of, I knew he was a good guy. It wasn't a matter of being like, hey, I'm done with you, but like, this isn't working. And my ultimate goal is that you are the man that you'd want to marry your daughters. Like, are you being the person that really you'd want them to be with? Are you okay with someone treating them this way? And and that was that wake up call or that moment. And I've only ever seen action taken from that. And I know there's been a lot of other people we've come in contact with that have been in similar circumstances and the outcome wasn't that way. Uh, So it's just, you've just always kind of kept going, which has kept me on board and to this day. I can really appreciate that question Mm -hmm. that you asked him because when we're coaching couples and I'm coaching the husbands, one of the things I have them really focus on is, you know, flash forward 30 years, what kind of woman, what kind of, you know, man, do you want your children to be? What kind of partners do you want them to have in their lives? Well, how do you want them to carry themselves in this world? And what are you role modeling to them now to help them become that? And so that when I heard that question, you know, on TEDx, I was like, bravo, that's really awesome. That's Mm -hmm. a really, really powerful question. It's amazing though, the right question asked by the right person at the right time with the mm-hmm. right motivations, how we can provide the right result, you know, you know, like ultimately it's a, I know it still came down to making a choice, making a decision and then immediate action following the decision. But, you know, it just started from a one-year commitment. You know, at that point I was in my yeah. early thirties you know, it's been almost a decade of me with these behaviors and, and this constant two steps forward and what felt like three steps backwards. And, and it got to a point where it was just, you know, I was exhausted with it too. I, I was, you know, dipping my toes in the water of burnout in, in a big way. And, and on top of that, that would also make me want to drink some more, you know, to, to at least avoid the, the pain and discomfort I felt with my own life and my own situation because I didn't have any other ways of managing it. You know, I hadn't had anything role modeled to myself, you know, with other men specifically, you know, the behaviors I was emulating was just what I thought was normal because that's what I'd seen with all the men that I'd, you know, been mentored by, been coached by, hung out with, you know, I looked at my community of association and the majority of them acted the same way as I was acting. And which just led me to believe it was like, okay, well, if I can't change the people around me, I should probably just change the people around me, you know? And, and, and it started with a one-year commitment I made to them, but more importantly, I made to myself was to go one year without drinking. You know, we've we've met a few commitment. other men that have started their own communities for the same reason. Yeah. They were looking to heal themselves and couldn't find anywhere to go. And, you know, in our work, one of the things that we're really um, passionate about is not just helping couples 
be together, but to heal each other. Mm. And we always talk about this iceberg that we have. And when we're upset about something, it's 15% right now above the water, (laughs) but it's sitting on that 85% of history. And already it's like your parents divorced, you were overweight, you started a transformation and it, it keeps morphing. Now it's alcohol instead of food or whatever. And, and that's, I, I don't think you can be with another person in this world and not have that stuff bump into each other and say, hey, let's be better people. And I know that was a really strong conversation you guys had at one point where you said, what do we want our life to look like? Can you talk about that? It's amazing how conscious you guys are of creating your, your lives and your story together. And, you know, thank you. And I appreciate everything you just said there, Jean, too, because it's uh, so on point. And, and especially the part about men creating other communities to find other like-minded men, you know, creating those safe spaces to, as I say, practice the skill of vulnerability. Because I really believe it's a skill, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that until I started practicing it, you know. But but Christy's always been very, and, and to be fair, you know, Christy grew up very quickly, you know, with dealing, she was the eldest of five siblings now, actually six siblings now, but um, but five at the time and when her mom passed. So you can imagine being age 13 and her four siblings much younger than her and now thrust into that, that you know, matriarch of the family role. And uh, so she, she's been much wiser beyond her years. No, but I <laughs> and, think like and, my mom taught us a lot of stuff before yeah. that too. Like yeah. it wasn't just like I had to grow up. We were exposed to the mindset of like, you can, can only control you. And like, you need to communicate in the now because you don't know what tomorrow brings and but, just being like designing what your future, like my mom had a change in her career path at one point. I remember sitting late up at night in maybe like grade six doing projects and she would talk about travel and just being able to explore the globe and meet new people and like really encouraging us to get out of our little home mm-hmm. bubble. And so even though at that time I would have been 13 when she was no longer around, it was like, that still was there. And so moving forward through life, making decisions and, and my grandparents and my dad, like, we're just really lucky to grow up with such examples of treat others the way you want to be treated, or everyone is equal. There was no, like you treated the janitor the exact same way as you treat the president, like everybody is equal. And so I think just growing up that way, um, no matter what age it was, Mm -hmm. It was just, and personal development was kind of a part of our life in our early age. Most of my friends were reading gossip mags or trash novels or something. And and we'd have the one minute manager around or as we started to get into different businesses, as we started to date and be exposed to um, the magic of thinking big and just books that really John made Maxwell, you think differently. Right? John uh, Maxwell, uh, yeah. So Tony it was Robbins, like our like university just, together. Yeah. Well, for me, I was so driven from a career standpoint. So for me, it was more professional development than personal development, even though I know that there's such a tight overlap, but I was very ego driven. I'll be honest, in my 20s, even my early 30s, everything was from the ego, which also led to a lot of the choices I was making. And, And But Christy, though, was always really good at opening my mind to what would life look like if we lived it the way we wanted to live it? Like actually, you know, because for me, I came up, I grew up watching my parents building their own companies, working full time and sometimes working for others, like just this strong work ethic was literally driven into me. It was just what I was rolling on by. So like, I just always thought, you know, I'll have a career, maybe I'll have my own company, but that's what I do until pretty much the day I decided to retire. Retire at 35. Well, I used to. I used to say that. Yes. <laughs> like he was like, well, ever I was since like, I met you, you were yeah. like, I want to be retired by 35. And then it was like, we just were naive or oblivious to what that like, with action <laughs> meant. <laughs> but but the cool thing was is Christy. But know, I like that about you because you weren't yeah. like the nine to five, 40 hours. Oh no, I was always five. better. Let's figure out another way of yeah. doing that. You know? So that attracted. Uh, but but when we started having kids, and you know, Christy had always alluded to this idea of, of really lifestyle engineering or, or life engineering, you know, this idea of developing the vision for the life that we really want, you know, like really allow ourselves to dream, cast a big vision, because when you get the vision and the more colorful you can make it, you, you can start to recognize areas of it. And, and, you know, what people have been doing for, for literally 50, 60 years, reverse engineer, you know, you start working backwards from that and you start to say, well, why isn't this possible? Versus saying right away, well, that's not possible. It's like, well, why would we say it's yeah, not possible? We were questioning things early on. And that was the coolest thing. And, and, you know, so Christy definitely rubbed off on me and it got to me to the point where 
all of a sudden I started being like, well, you know, couldn't we, what would it be like if we didn't have our, our, our careers that we have right now? And the kids were in school and, you know, we started traveling the world, like these other nomadic families. I've been listening to these podcasts. Yeah. Well, we first started to research be like, is this possible? Yeah. And then you start to kind of gain confidence that other people do it. So why can't we do it? And then educating yourself and figuring out what those steps were. And I think I just wore off on dye so much at dinner or like, I listened to this today and I heard this and here, listen to this snippet. And then eventually I was like, there's no way I'm not leaving my career. I like, I, I'm building this company. Yeah. I can't leave this. I can't leave it. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm a C level here. I'm a founder. I can't, leave I wear this. fancy suits or I have fancy watches or like yeah. all these things. Oh, man. To ego, you. ego, ego. Right. And, uh, and it just got to a point where I was like, Oh, you know, I don't really like what I'm doing anymore. I mean, I, I'm, I kind of like the idea Christy's sharing there and, it, and it, it sounds right. And it sounds like it'll be way more fulfilling, a lot more joy, a lot more happiness. You know, like, you know, I always, like why wait? Yeah. Jo, I think it's Joseph Campbell that wrote the hero's journey or coined the hero's journey. And that idea of like, well, what's our hero journey? You know, And, and, and it was funny because this is all full circle. She mentioned the book I gave her on our very first date, The Alchemist. Alchemist, yeah. The ones that are familiar with the story, it's just that, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we set her on these hero's journeys thinking that, you know, our, our pot of gold is at the end of some rainbow. And then we get there and we find out, oh, you know what? The rainbow and the pot of gold is actually back where I started. <laughs> and, and so it was this sort of a uh, full circle. And then it got to a point where I, you know, I quit my career 17 years. Christy quit her career a month later. Three months after that, we pulled the kids out of school, gave away everything, and packed up our SUV with, with some clothes and we started traveling. Like we just set out now we, set out for one to two years. Yeah, we were thinking we it would be one to two and turn into five. So it was like we were yeah. a little irresponsible still. In we our were 30s. super irresponsible. We, we were irresponsible in our thirties, <laughs> but it's worked out so far. We feel like there's definitely angels keeping an eye on us. So we've been very lucky and fortunate. Yeah. How long after getting sober did this happen where you quit your careers and went on the road? Five years. Like 20, five. it was um January 2010, I remember Dai decided to do his one year because we went to Disneyland and it was during the Olympics here in Vancouver. And it was like four months of you really trying hard not to have a drink. And then by May, some of his people had um joined board and then he got easier. So I remember it was 2010 and then moved into the city and, and like so it was 2015, December 2015 when we took off so about five years five six years yeah. mm -hmm. it, all, i went i mean i sort of submitted myself to a lot of growth because uh, i mean when you take away the crutch you got to learn how to walk <laughs> and, like and, and for, for me alcohol was my crutch it was mm -hmm. you know and 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 so we took that away for a year and during that year i mean it, it was really challenging the first three to four months and fortunately i mean christy was really i mean i thank you for for pushing me because i was very resistant to the idea i like uh, and I'm not going to say all men, but many men uh, just, you know, asking for help. N not something that comes natural to me. <laughs> I, I can corroborate that. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Ray. So it, it's, uh, and, and I knew I needed some support. I needed help. And I couldn't rely on Christy to be that person for me all mm -hmm. the time, you know, like, cause it just, it wasn't fair to our relationship. And, and it was, it was definitely compromising certain things at the home. And, and uh, so she encouraged me to, to seek out help from somebody else and found a psychiatrist. I worked, mm -hmm. was it three or four months roughly? I worked with him and, and, you know, it's my first, counselor? I don't even know. Yeah. well, then we also <laughs> had the relationships counselor, but remember yeah. it was like second meeting in. She's like, you know, we, we go together and uh, it's like couples counseling and, and, and she, the therapist, she's like, ah, you know, I think it'd be good for Dad to come back on his own a little bit. <laughs> you know? So it's like, anyway, very subtle. Very subtle. It was, it was good. It was good. And, and I subjected myself to, to doing the work. All right. At the end of the day, I just said, OK, I, I want to be this man. I'd say, oh, I always envisioned myself being. But I knew I was not living up to that, which was also eating away at me uh, from a guilt standpoint. And obviously a lot of shame as well. And I think you were you already uh, in like Toastmasters. And I had started stuff, Toastmasters. So I could Sunday yeah. Sunday, like our fitness group. So those kind of Contrib things, I think, like also yeah. I wouldn't say delayed, but like we're giving it our all like with your career and stuff and you were looking to like take over the business and then it wasn't going the right way um with his partner and so that was creating that but then you had these other outside projects that were going on that you were loving and felt committed to and so you couldn't really think of just deserting or leaving our our life was awesome like we 
had a great routine and great association and stuff. So as much as I had dreamed of one day, I'm going to go travel and take my family. Like before I met Di, it was like, take out my family and travel. And I'd worn them down enough. And then all of a sudden it came down to the, he's like, okay, let's do it. I gave my, like, I've, I've informed that I want to go for six months. And, and then it was like, Oh, now we really have to make this happen. So I think that's kind of why, it was uh, and I gave careful what you wish for, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were writing his book at the time, like yeah. still with the publisher and the graphic. Design. So there was different things, but it, it definitely inspired us to like close all that up. And then we kind of tag teamed it with the book uh-huh. launch and went on our road. Trip I was going to say, I, I think everybody can relate to this, where it's like your most productive time at work or professionally is usually a week before you go away on vacation, <laughs> right? Like yeah. we, we all do that. Like, I mean, it's like clockwork. It's like, at, like I know every time That's before time. I go away, I'd be like, why can't I work like this all the time? I'm like, I, I'm leaving on vacation and I got everything done. I mean, why can't I ever get everything done when I don't have a vacation, right? And uh, so, but this is more than a vacation. This is us stepping away from this path that we've been on for over a decade. And and it wasn't originally permanent. No, it was, it was going to be six to 12 notice months. led into yeah. permanent, the way he was treated and the way things went My down business partner so. was not a very nice person. And uh, I realized it wasn't worth it. I was chasing yeah. his life, not my own. It, yeah, it made the decision was. easier yeah, so, to like extend because yeah. um, we didn't. But does that answer your question to that point? Yeah. <laughs> Our long-winded <laughs> response. <laughs> so you, you ended up selling your your part of the business then, and and creating something later. new. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a good time to sell, and even when I eventually exited. Um, it wasn't as I was a junior partner, I had gained all the equity. He, my partner was 20 years, my senior. So I, everything I had earned was sweat equity based mm-hmm. and man, I, I shed a lot of sweat. Okay. And uh, I had earned my keep and, and then some, but oh, we didn't get like a big bankroll. If that's no. what you mean. That's like, we didn't have a huge amount of money, even when we started going traveling, yeah. but you'd be surprised when you downsize your lifestyle. Yeah. You actually don't need as much as what you may believe you need. You know, it's and, and because I think it was always these things where we had these ideas about things that we wanted, but then when we really boiled it down to what do we actually need, the need versus want was very different, <laughs> you know. And when we started to ask ourselves, like, because we became minimalist thanks to Christy, you know, she really was pushing for Not this anymore, idea. Or if you yeah. see the like stuff since we've been back, but uh, it's very you minimal. see the comic book room. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hey, no judgment. <laughs> I, I like my comics. We, we it's okay. It on COVID where it's COVID's fault. Yeah. Yeah. You had to lock down somewhere. We yeah. we went through something similar because we started hiking. And oh, you, nice. you can all, if you want to bring it with, you have to carry it. And That's so right. it really makes you think through some stuff. And I, I know that on the first leg of our 200 mile hike, we left everything extra clothes and books and stuff we're like what are we thinking like you brought too much to begin with and then you had to like yeah yeah and you do it's like we can travel now with just a backpack and not have suitcases and stuff like that and you know i think now in colorado we're building up again but yeah. here we got dumpsters and we threw everything out. And oh, this, that must have felt so nice, huh? It, it does. And, yeah. It, yeah. and it feels like just cleaner and just mm-hmm. less to deal with, less decisions yeah. to make. It's probably one of the only things we fight about now. Yeah. Like, yeah. like currently in our place, person. because I'm like, there's so much stuff here. I can't like, I, we need to release some stuff. <laughs> so how would yeah. you guys decide to go, to go back? To regular life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more for our girls and like honoring their request to finish high school. And so they kind of, we'd agreed to go one to two years. And now we were like on our fourth year. And though we were all thriving and um, at the time we were based in Bali now, then for almost two years uh, and they had a great little group, but as kids got older and older, people kind of returned to their regular life and weren't really on the Island as much. And so we said, okay, let's go back. Also immigration wise, I started to feel like healthcare wise with Canada, all the rules just started to go like, oh my gosh, how long can we really get away with this or be doing this? And so the stresses started to add up and I just was also tired of being an entrepreneur for a little bit. I uh, was ready for, I think I remember hearing a little bit about your guys' story where there is that fear. You've got both feet in on the one income and just like knowing that in the situation we were in out of our own like home country, someone could pull the shoot anytime. And so I started to shut down and just like crave normalcy and return to routine and plug into show up, do something I'm excellent at 
go home, know the bills are paid and just be able to take a break and a rest from planning and strategizing. And I was also unfortunately tired of giving. I was like, I just need to be receiving for a little bit. <laughs> I needed to be selfish. So that was my decision to return home, honor the girls. We also had commitments already still in Bali at the time. So we couldn't just pull the shoot like that. Um, so I returned early, then got life set up with school and our new home and had to outfit it with all like new stuff. We'd given away everything. So <laughs> it was um, a job in itself. And then was six, eight months later, six months, six months later, Di naturally returned home. Thankfully, it was um, right before Canada shut down for COVID, but he was already made the decision to come back to Canada and start living regular life. And uh, then who knew, like whatever, three weeks later, I think the border shut. So. so were you guys traveling like all the time or would you, you had places you went to and stayed for a bit? We're, we're slow travelers more yeah. so. So we didn't have any agenda when we started traveling other than we wanted sunshine, you know, being in Vancouver, very much like Seattle for those that may not be familiar. Uh, yeah. So if you're familiar with Seattle, wet and gray, you know, for, for a good seven months of the year. And uh so it was January and we're like, man, peace out. Let's, let's start going south. We had we'll, points we'll see what happens. We did have points. Like, we went and stayed with some friends that live just outside of Seattle. We stayed there for a couple of weeks. And, but and we, we didn't have like yeah. an itinerary ever. Yeah. Like, and we never flew into or drove into places that were like, we have to see this museum and check this tourism thing off. And um, sometimes I regret we, I wish we'd been a bit more intentional with <laughs> our things because at the same time, we're like, oh, we'll come back. We'll come back. So we had points of interest or places we needed to be every once in a while due to like your brand commitments and stuff. We'd have like you had to go to Israel and Paris yeah. and London. like there was times you had to be somewhere. Um, but other than that, it was just let's see where the wind takes us. And then Dai's dad um, had end of life suddenly. So we ended up parking ourselves for what was originally going to be a few weeks became, I think, eight months and at that point after all we'd been through we're like okay before we decide to go back to regular life we're heading overseas and that's where we booked to southeast asia um, we're there for a little bit loved it so much and realized the world came to bali and so we committed to making that our home base and um what we kind of went from there and as you have to visit different areas through that zone but um yeah we weren't living off of an airplane or out of suitcases for too long, maybe like not the whole time, at least maybe like a year. <laughs> so what are you guys reverse engineering now in your mm -hmm. lives? Good question. Well, our like denesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, our, our youngest daughter, our eldest is off of university now. And, and so she's, she's definitely exercising her independence and, and doing a beautiful job at it. She's a great human being. And our youngest is, is, got one more full year of school left she's, she's got grade 12 next year and so you know we're we're at least 18 months away before both kids are done at least the portion that we're directly you know there to support them with uh you know we'll always support them with post-secondary if that's what they want but uh outside of that yeah, you know life. we're excited just to get back into our sort of um our ideal vision is is six months away six months here and, and that's sort of what we're leading into, uh, but we'll probably be about two years away from that. Um, but outside of that, you know, it, my business is pivoting in a couple of different ways. I mean, it already had with COVID, um, as most people's businesses needed mm -hmm. to adjust and adapt. Mm -hmm. Uh, but and it was all for the better, actually, you know, like it, it took about six months, but then it recovered and, and then some. <laughs> so it's the last uh, 18 months have been amazing. And, and so we're sort of redirecting our efforts and, and developing some new online assets that. Uh, and fine tuning yeah. our association, like who it is that are the key relationships or people that we want to invest deeper time into, whether that be people we want to travel with, we want to do events or certain projects with. We're in that kind of like reflection, fine tuning um, phase, as well as, yeah, the sunshine, just six months here, six months somewhere and get to experience different cultures and connect with, we have, we're really fortunate to have a good, like global base of friends or people that we've met, whether it be through like online stuff or physical connection at some point. Um, so to just to be able to nurture and strengthen those relationships too. That's, that's, really, that's ultimately what we're working towards. Yeah, that's really <laughs> awesome. We, we had that plan. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, we were gonna go like in different cities, check them out for six months, and yeah. um, 
we ended up just falling in love in Colorado. We love to hike. And so we go um, one week a month because we have a business here. We can't just not be here. And so it, but it, it, it unfolded and it's beautiful. And we live in a place that has the most sunshine in the whole country, which is really nice. Yeah. Where's that? It's this little area. Maybe they don't want people to know. <laughs> it's, it's called the Banana Belt. Yeah, it's part of the west western Colorado slope. Yeah, cool. A banana Belt area there, where the uh, temperatures because of the mountains and everything, and yeah. sunshine is awesome. It's like modern. a little south yeah. of Grand Junction, that area. It's Jeez, beautiful. that's cool. I didn't realize that, that 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 was even an option down there, and I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. And we're six years out of being empty nesters, so we got to say we really thoroughly endorse it it is a, a great experience yes oh you've been empty nesters for six years yes. <laughs> nice i don't know I, i'm still in that little bit of like a um emotional transition of and not so much like helicopter parent but mm-hmm. just understanding like what that relationship looks like as they do become more independent and get their significant others or what their dreams look like and um so I like that we're still leading by example and continuing to dream or kind of. Yeah. And our, our kids forward. moved away. They both live in different states and, yeah. you know, and I think the nice thing about that is when we visit our son's home right now for the week is we get them for a long chunk of time mm-hmm. instead of like Sunday dinner, if they lived closer. Right. So that it's, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's fun to hang out with them as adults. Oh yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very different. Yeah. yeah. We love our kids and their friends. We're really proud of the friendships that they've made and we like having them over and stuff. So it'll it'll be hard to say goodbye to some of those as they grow up and like move on to different things too. What what would you guys say to someone who was contemplating a really big step, like quitting your job and going on the road? Well, there's part of us that we have a motto that's hashtag just did it, Um, (laughs) but obviously you want to be responsible we understand some people aren't as free-willed or um, well I, I think it's here. more risk averse is, yeah. is probably the appropriate way to put it I mean for us like we weren't very I mean I don't know if we're great examples of what to do uh with the exception I mean we knew we wanted to do it and when you start to ask yourself I, I, I don't know if you're familiar but Tim Ferriss did a, a great TED talk and he talks about this exercise called fear setting and it's this idea of asking ourselves just okay well this is what you want to do well, what's the worst that can happen? And, you know, you just allow yourself the opportunity to think and really think, you know, and try to be logical with it. Not, not you know, oh, gosh, the moon could crash into earth tomorrow. And, oh, my God, you know, like, be, be realistic with it. Okay. And it's because, yeah, of course, any of us could step off the curb tomorrow and get hit by the bus. But look left, look right. Okay. Uh, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, for us, it, it was really just what's the worst that could happen? And for us, it was like, okay, well, we, we might run out of money. We could be somewhere and have no money. The car could break down. Then what? And we like, have well, to return to our life. Well, and that was the thing. We were like, well, we're both very employable. Yeah. We do have family that actually loves us <laughs> and they have couches. So you know what? Worst case scenario, we end up going back home and we rebuild. But that was really the worst that we envisioned could have happened uh, given the, the choices that we were making. But if and, you think about like somebody uh, who's sitting there debating, it's just like, I think one of the earlier, earlier questions we'd asked ourselves is why not? Like what's stopping us? And so if somebody who's listening to this is like, oh, I so wish I could do that. We come across so many people that are like, oh, I wish I could do that. Oh, I wish we were able to do that. And it's just like, well, what's stopping you? And pretty much everything that somebody brings up, oh, my kids are in school and my husband's job or my wife's work or whatever, like my aging in-laws or my parents, like those kind of things. I don't know about money. I, and I don't know. I just feel like there's an answer or an objection that is like, and, and like, like, okay, what else? Cause all those could be handled or are really the reasons of why at the same time. And I think the coolest thing about COVID, you know, the, the one cool thing that's coming out of this whole thing is the world's realized the way we treat the nine to five is it doesn't have to be status quo anymore. Right. You know, this, this, this idea of having to commute into work for, you know, two hours, both directions just to go to work, you know, like it's not required anymore. We've proven that over the last two years, we can get a lot done and do it right from our living room if we want to. Not now, now I'm not saying, you know, everyone has to shift to that way of working, but I think you start to realize if I have an internet connection, I've just been able to do my career that I've been doing for the last decade 
from my living room without skipping a beat. Yeah, it's more accessible you know? than you think. Like a lot of times it's mm-hmm. just our old wiring or the traditions yeah. that have been passed on. Legacy yes. traditions. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Tear them down. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Nothing else on the planet lives like that. Everything on the planet wakes up and says, I'm either going to be taken care of or I'm going to die. Yeah. And it's a it's a much less stressful way to live, actually. It's amazing. So last question. Mm. What is it that your partner does that you know they love you? Ooh, you go first. <laughs> this is gonna sound so bad. Oh great. <laughs> He cleans. We call it uh, porn for Acts women. of service. Foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am porn not. Yeah, my love language is acts of service when it comes to die. Because if he takes things off my list, if he doesn't ask me to do extra things, then that's where I'm just like, oh, he's conscious. He's aware. He's completely like connected to making me happy or, or helping me. And yeah, so when, when he's done certain things, I'm just like, I feel so loved. And I know that he's thinking of me first. Porn <laughs> for women. Uh, and Christy knows me really well. And, and, and you know, the, the five love languages is, is one of the first relationship books we really leaned into, I guess, you know, and, and adopted some of those teachings. And, and especially when you get clear on, on how people feel loved. Uh, and for me, words of affirmation was one of them. Uh, very clearly. And so Christy I'm knows, well, no, but she knows that it, it, like, it's so it interesting. Sincerely. Yeah. But I mean, I connect with a lot of people and I've, I've been very fortunate. I've had some great mentorship and some very supportive people in my life, but at the end of the day, and this is the interesting thing. And we sort of opened the conversation today mentioning that there's nobody that knows me better than this woman. And I'll go as far to say there will never be anybody that knows me as well as this woman does. And on that front, it's actually the only opinion I really care about in my life. One is my own opinion of myself, obviously, and I think everyone should have a high self-opinion. If you don't, well, get to work. But it's that hurts, you know, it's it's knowing her opinion and her belief in me is there uh, makes me feel unstoppable and very much loved, you know, and supported. And um, so those words of affirmation, they 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 definitely pump my tires. You know what I mean? <laughs> Make me believe that I can do anything. So, uh, yeah. And when I wear my hair straight. <laughs> yeah. So when she strains her hair, I'm like, hello. Or braids. <laughs> oh yeah. The braids. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then we'll keep this to a PG rating and uh, it's all good. So uh... <laughs> we have a, we have a home study course and in the eighth module, we kind of map out that whole thing. And you know, it, it takes a long time to merge as a couple like that. And, and to see it in you guys is really cool. Mm-hmm. And a lot of couples don't get there because they don't do the work. But to know that, and you guys know it's not easy. There's, you got to fight through it. You got to, you, you got to fight for it. And I think the commitments and the kids and all that stuff help you stay in the game when it, when the arena gets pretty hot <laughs> or heated, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. I, I think it's the most beautiful thing we ever do. The most difficult. It's the most and most yeah, rewarding. Most challenging, <laughs> most rewarding thing we will ever have to do is have a committed partnership with another human being. Committed both ways. Yeah. Like in the sense where both people are in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I do see relationships to what you just said, Gene, where they're doing one side, it's yeah. one sided yeah. and they're doing it all. And at what point is it like how long can you really go on with just the one-sided? I remember one mentor in my life and I, I remember I was, I was complaining about Christy and, and he, he checked me. He, he totally checked me, which I, you know, still to this day, I was so appreciative of it. But I, I was like, man, relationships, relationships are supposed to be 50, 50. I'm definitely, you know, bringing my half. And, and he, he goes, what? I'm like, what'd you say? I go, well, we should be 50, 50. I don't feel like, you know, we're 50, 50 and everything. He's like, well, there's your problem. Your relationship supposed to be a hundred and a hundred, <laughs> you know, both people bring all of themselves to the relationship. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it was that moment where I was like, ah, this is why you're the mentor and I'm the mentee. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was good. It was one of those learning moments, but uh, yeah. Do we have time for us to ask you a quick question? Sure. Oh, yeah, sure. I'd be curious in the advice for just knowing your expertise and all the experience you guys have when a couple is in the dark days or they're 
downfall or their deep zone or what have you, if you have resources or advice or something to share with people to kind of start them on that path together or figure out if they want to continue. You know, one thing I would say to women is the person you're with does not have one foot out the door. They're just as afraid of you leaving them as you are of them leaving you. And to learn to find out what's important for you and speak your truth. And if if you're the person in that relationship that's giving more and, and working on it and the other person really isn't, you have to be willing to have a bottom line and a deal breaker in order for your partner to begin to change. And I would say, almost all couples that we start working with, it looks like that in the beginning. And the other person, they just heard rant, 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 rant forever. And then when you make the action, right? Because men believe what women do and not what they say. And women believe what men say and not what they do. And it's when that one person's willing to take that action and say, you know what, I'm done. I've had enough. If you're not doing this, we're, we're, I'm not living like this anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's a really pivotal part of a relationship where it begins to change. What would you say? Uh, you know, we always say that, you know, relationships, all relationships end. And we just don't know when or how or where, even if couples stay together for 70, 80 years, at some point, someone's leaving, right? and someone's passing away. And so the relationship will end. And so the goal isn't to make sure that your relationship lasts forever. So the goal is to learn, right? And each couple comes together to learn something about themselves and about their relationship and about their partner and to help each other become better versions of themselves. And the times that you feel most alone, you're not. There's so many other couples out there that are going through the same struggles, the same challenges. And part of the reason why we wanted to start this podcast is to show that to everyone out there that might feel alone and what they're going through, that there are couples out there that are going through the same thing. You know, you talk about TED Talks. I have never seen a couple on a TED Talk. Mm -hmm. And for us to be in this arena together and being the best man being the best woman and being the best us and publicly doing that is it's a very different way you see a lot of people who are in the space of self-help or mentorship or whatever but it's them by themselves mm -hmm. and and i think that is you know when, when you talk about this being the most challenging and rewarding thing you can do i think it's also the most sacred thing mm -hmm. and if if you want to be the most enlightened and the most grown we talk about development what's the end of that um it is to be merged with another human being at a level that you can't make a decision without knowing you will either help or hurt your partner too there there that separation just doesn't really exist anymore closest connection you can have to another human being mentally physically emotionally spiritually Absolutely. Well said. Oh, Thank man, you. this is like nuggets. Well, we have a couple of friends we're going to send this podcast interview to. Well, <laughs> well, and we then some. Well, again, but like in the sense of it's just you have we have our own experience to speak from, but we don't have anyone else's. Mm -hmm. I know our advice may not be the answer for everyone. So, But we can see it in your relationship. Yeah. And when you talk about vulnerability, that's one of the modules we have in our chapter is the stages of vulnerability. And you're like, it's a skill. It absolutely is a skill. And most people have no idea how to, what are the skills of being in a relationship? And what are the, uh, how do you, how do you do that? And that's what our relationship 101 teaches. And it's really interesting because we've worked with so many couples, you know, couple to couple for, for years. And once we did that home study and we had them do that in conjunction with the individual work, they were changing so much faster. Yeah. They were like totally getting it because we would teach it, but it, you'd be in a session. Everything's emotional. They didn't, they, they heard it, but they don't ingest it. Can't, no. Yeah. Right. And so it, it's really amazing how that's what we've discovered too. It's a skill. And there are specific relationship behaviors that work and it's a relationship behaviors that really tear a relationship apart. And so, yeah, it's fabulous. And you can tell the work you guys have done. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks.
<laughs> I'm proud of where we've come and all that we've been through and where we're headed. So I know you feel the same. Yeah. <laughs> Di, if, if someone wanted to get to know you guys a little bit more, what would be the contact information? What's the website and where do they get the book? Well, uh, I guess the easiest thing to do is, uh, you know, I'm most active on social on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And it's the coolest thing is if you can spell my name, you'll find me. Uh, it's usually the spelling that trips people up. Die, D-A-I, last name Manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L. That's Welsh first name, Portuguese last name. But as I tell everybody, I'm just Canadian. Don't worry about it. You know, like it's, uh, <laughs> but uh, and that's Canada for you. Um, but Christy's also very active on, on. You can just find me through him. Yeah, it, yeah. it's easy. I, I link my accounts with hers anyway. So um, uh, otherwise, my website, diamondwell.com lots of resources just to help people be their healthiest self inside and out. And uh, I always just say hop in there, but there's links to my book there. You can get them at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Indigo in Canada. You know, they're, they're at bookstores pretty much all over the place. So, uh, um, but I, I love having conversations with people just like you guys like having conversations with people. And I always just say, just reach out and say, hi, that's a great way to start. <laughs> we don't bite. <laughs> Unless you ask. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We've really enjoyed our time together. Thank you so, Absolutely. so much. It was nice getting to know you guys. Yes, the honor yeah. was all ours. Yes. So we want to thank you for putting this out to the world. You know, honestly, I, I'm so excited to share your platform as well, not only this interview, but your other interviews as well, and just what you do because man, I just look at the, the communities that we connect with and it's just so nice to have a, a great resource but it's not coming from just a man's perspective and just a woman's perspective do you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. coming from a married successfully married couple's perspective and 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 experience so so thank you for putting this out and making it accessible to all of us it's just thank amazing you. thank you thank too you. thank you so much yeah. diane christy thank you for so, being on the show thank you all of our listeners who are joining us today on Couple Synergy, our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. You know, sharing stories the way that human beings have been connecting, bonding, and growing since the beginning of time. And we hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, our home study course, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, Please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.